Yeah. What the f is going on down there? It's August 2017, and this is WTF at TFW 471, and I'm joined by Seth. Hello. Hello. I'm Chris. Hello. This is an AM recording for me. It's still the AM. We haven't done that in a super duper long time. Yeah, over there on the West Coast. We're coming to you coast to coast this this fine Sunday uh, early day. And we've got a podcast when we finally have a pause in the news. Most of the fresh news out right now, Transformers-wise, is like pre-orders with no pictures or descriptions, which are my least favorite thing to podcast about. Uh, And also a whole bunch of news about upcoming movies, which are saying that a movie is being made, which is not a whole lot to podcast about. So uh, I pulled a couple things that are still talkable, but I've also pulled a couple listener questions. Before we go in, I'll just throw out there. They've confirmed they're making an animated Transformers movie set in the movie-verse, and that's all, unfortunately, so there's not much really to say. But uh, Some would argue the movies are already animated. Computer animated? Or do you mean animated like there's a lot happening? There's so much CGI in them. It's true. They might as well be animated movies. It'd be really cool if, like, there was a massive, I don't know, like a massive computing advance. Because right now, the way those movies are made, it's like, for the amount of robots we get, that still takes them, like, a year or something to render it all out. Uh Uh-huh. It'd be really cool if, like, a massive computing advance could be made so they could make, like, a full-length movie with just the robots that would also not take, like, five years to render out. Yeah. Because if they are doing an animated movie, I hope that the designs are simplified. I'm sure they've got to be. Being a fully animated movie and not just, oh, we imported the live action movie models into this. (laughs) And then then down res them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We gave them uh, less photorealistic textures. It's by that Boulder Boulder Studios or whatever. So it's uh, my, my only fear was like. As long as this isn't like machinima getting to do like something theatrical, then I'm fine. Um, let machinima. Jeez. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a whole second computer this time to help us render things out. It's going to be great. And we've also uh, hired a few more YouTube personalities. Uh, we had a bigger budget. We're brainstorming ways to screw them over too. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna. We're going to give one of them a credit in the opening sequence. We're not sure yet. We're going to see who's the bigger influencer. Uh, who, who gets the most likes before yeah, they, uh, production wraps. They all got to put up a video about how they're going to be in this thing uh, and that this is a paid sponsorship video and then see who gets the most likes. Likes, comments, and subscriptions. Yeah, you can count all that up. You got analytics. Uh, but Seth, I got us some listener questions to open up this listener question full episode. All right. And this first one's even about video games. What? And I know what those are. Uh, this comes from XL Hedge, who says, Does anyone else find it weird that there was no tie-in video game for last night? Speaking of games, HD remaster of the PS2 Armada game, a movie game HD collection, cake or ice cream. So there's like, th- there's four things we can really chop through in here. Uh, first up. Uh, tie-in video games for the last night. Now, Seth, there actually kind of was. 
uh, in the new mobile game, Transformers Forge to Fight, they debuted Movie Drift and Movie Hot Rod in time with The Last Night. Uh, and that, I think that was enough of a tie-in for where things are right now. Because they, really, they don't really make movie video games anymore. They just make movie-related mobile games now, right? Yeah, it seems that way. Like the $60 console movie tie-in game seems to be out of vogue at the moment. That's like that, that B-game tier that doesn't exist as much anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, the... I don't, I don't find it weird, because I don't think there's been a movie game for a movie since, like, I think, like, the first Thor movie? Maybe? Was there a game for Thor? I thought there was. Or Captain it might America just... had a game. Like, yeah. uh, first Avenger Captain America. There was there, a there game. Was, there was also a Thor game. I only remember because there was, like, this, like, your energy in it was called Od- Odin Force. And that sounded cool. Man, I don't remember a Thor game existing at all. Yeah, I only I only remember Odin Force, but yeah, that and that would have been like what twenty eleven, something like that. So it's been a good long time. So uh, it's not not all that weird to me. But um, as for other games, an HD remaster of the Armada game, I think that that might fall into weird rights things now. Like I'm not sure who Most worked likely. on it. Yeah. And also, then, I don't like outside of Transformer fans. I don't know if there's much clamor for the work that would go into something like that, even if the rights weren't crazy. Yeah, like, that that game is, like, it's vaguely popular among Transformers fans, and with non-Transformers fans, when it came out, it got a decent rap for not being bad, but yeah. also kind of just being moderate at best. <laughs> And a lot of people were like, well, these don't look like my Transformers. I guess these were redesigns for the video game, because no one back then even cared what Armada was. Yeah, and the Hasbro probably doesn't even care what Armada is anymore. Someone out there probably... No, no, they, they're, they're doing a Tidal Wave toy in, in one of those box sets. Someone someone gives, you know, like, not, not a crap, but gives, like, a f- fart. It's just like, if Hasbro would have to do anything, they would probably... My guess is they would probably want to push something more current that relates to other things they're trying to sell than uh, go back in time like that. Like they're too much. Unless games. they're going back in time to G1, then, you know, that's always on the table. What if they went back in time to a movie game HD collection? There's a good reason why they shouldn't do that. <laughs> the first movie game was garbage. Like the console one. It was terrible. It was a really bad game. I hated it. I spent money on it, and I was it's the only time <laughs> I've ever been that mad about spending money on a new game. The, sw- the swimmy ass, like the, is the the Xbox 360 one. You have to drive Bumblebee around with the swimmiest ass car controls under these like massive restrictions of like don't bump into anything, and you have 30 seconds to get across yeah. town. And it was a terrible game. And didn't you have to hold a button down to stay in car mode? I think that might have been... So, the, the Revenge of the Fallen game was notably better. Again, like, kind of just hitting a certain level of, like, moderate mediocrity. Because they made transformation into a speed boost, which at the time was kind of fresh, and it was a way to make transformation not suck as much. But yeah, uh, it was the second movie game, I think. You had to hold a button down, and it was like a prolonged dash. I hated that. Yeah, it, it made it not really a great Transformers game. It just meant it, it was like a decent action game that I could play through and not get mad. Uh, the first movie game I couldn't actually get through. I, I gave up. 
the the first movie DS games and, and portable games were great uh, for the time, but not not the console one. No, uh, no the uh, um, no, I forget which movie it was attached to, but it was done by High Moon, and they used the engine from those War of Cybertron games. So there's a lot of similarities, like the whole the hovering strafe car thing. Oh, that was the last one they made. That was uh, so that wasn't that wasn't High Moon itself. That was so that was oh, what was it called? It was like well, they used Rise the same of, engine and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was Rise of the Dark Spark. So that that was the game that took place like part of the game took place in the fourth movie, and part of the game was a prequel to War for Cybertron. Yeah, that, uh, and it was okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it was made by people who didn't work on the last games, but were just given all the assets, and it was a mess. The, the best part about it was the story because it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't great. Like the the War for Cybertron games were better, but it had yeah, it it, it had the controls and stuff, so at least it didn't <clears throat> feel like you were fighting the game so much. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was like it was very boring, like really yeah. long patches of like you know do the same thing over and over again, and uh, and the the story like if you haven't read the, or seen the story mode, like you should go and look up a clip of like the main boss lockdown giving his motivations because it's hilarious he's got he's got the ability to cross time and space and alter the fabric of reality and his main goal is to use that power to try to make more money <laughs> it's, it's pretty good <laughs> uh, well that that's basically the plot for the infinity gauntlet movie coming up Thanos gets the gauntlet so he could make fat stacks and uh <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you know, well, he's doing that money thing, right? With that money thing with your rubbing your fingers together. Yeah. But with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. And as he's doing it, like, gold bars are just falling from the dropping, sky. Dropping around, and one of them lands on Spider-Man's head and just crushes it. <laughs> I was re I was rereading bits Spidey of... Where's your Spidey senses now? I was rereading bits of Infinity Gauntlet, and I forgot how in Infinity Gauntlet, Spider-Man dies by just getting beaten to death with a rock. Oh, I forgot that too. It, <laughs> like, does somebody do it? Or is that that uh, the the Thanos lady that Thanos creates to spite death because death won't pay attention to him? Oh, so he creates his perfect mate, Taraxia, and like Taraxia pulls off Iron Man's head with his hel his helmet still attached, and then like beats Spider Man's head in with a rock. Uh, and both the, both of those things, the thing that's kind of freaky about them, both of those things happen in the background of panels. Uh, which somehow <laughs> makes it even more like weird and kind of kind of disturbing. It's like she's pulling at Iron Man's head, and then they cut away for a couple panels, and then she kind of just walks back in panel carrying Iron Man's helmet, but there's blood coming out of it. <laughs> it's, Infinity, yeah, the Infinity Gauntlet was a really weird thing. Now, like when you really kind of break it down, it's like this. Thanos trying to get this chick's attention while he, all the Marvel heroes are just sort of flailing around in the background. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was basically a, a canonical what if. Like, this what if tears of, like, how many different screwed up ways can we kill off all of our protagonist cast? So, like, Namor and She-Hulk get, like, weird moss thrown on them and then just get suffocated in fungus. <laughs> 
Well, I remember a friend of mine at the time was really into the New Warriors. This was the original run of New Warriors. Yeah. And all of them were pretty much wiped out in that opening. Thanos wipes out half the population of the universe. Yeah. And he was so mad. Because, like, Night Thrasher was his, like, favorite character. And he was so mad that they killed off Night Thrasher like that. And I'm like, dude, you, you don't seriously think this is going to last, right? I think I think Nova survived, but it was, like, one of the... He's one of the characters who got a really weird death. Yeah. Like, I think he got turned into building blocks. Sure, why not? And then Thanos stepped on them. Uh... But yeah, you should all you should all read Infinity Gauntlet. It's, it's it holds up all right. It's just weird. It's very weird, and it's very it's very much obviously written by someone who loves Thanos and <laughs> created Thanos and had been waiting a while to make Thanos be a badass. Well, uh, if they really wanted to be a badass, they would have brought back the Thanos copter. Well, I think that if they had you know, if they had one more issue, it would have been Thanos in the Thanos copter just flying through space. Well, after he loses the gauntlet, that's how he gets away. Yeah. Because you win this time, heroes! Next time! (laughs) When I get the infinity gauntlets. Plural. Uh, Final question here, Seth. Cake or ice cream? Uh, I believe that is a reference to um, Splatoon. Oh, really? I have Splatoon. I haven't played it yet. Um, But... I th- I think you you have to like pick a team or something. Oh. At some point and the teams are cake and ice cream. I I think I'm kind of going off of just putting together random details. Let's pretend Splatoon doesn't exist. Uh and you were just told you have to pick cake or ice cream. What's your what's your default? Uh ice cream. Oh. I think I'm. A, I think I would. If I really had to pick, I'd go cake because cake is something that's more portable. And well, if you longer. put down a dish with a slice of cake on it and a bowl with some ice cream in it, I would probably choose the ice cream. I guess I'd, I'd need there's, to eyeball them. There's too many variables with cake. There's like what? What's the frosting? Is it like fondant? Then ew. Um, is it like a really good like? good frosting <laughs> like yeah. I, I can't stand like the whipped cream style frosting it, ugh, i'd rather Just, have fondant <laughs> for me there's a lot of ways ice cream can go bad like if it's not if it's not well made like badly made ice cream i really hate whereas badly made cake i can kind of just get through because like badly made ice cream is the one where it's like full of water crystals and it's like hunks of ice in it and stuff well that's been melted and refrozen probably yeah like well, yeah. What, I mean, what if it's that like, just wasn't handled well? That's not yeah. the ice cream's fault. That was the fault of whoever was shipping it. I'm just talking about what I'm seeing in front of me. If I see if I see ice crystal full, badly handled ice cream, I'm not picking. I'm not going to pick the ice cream and go like, "Don't worry, ice cream. I know this isn't your fault. I just don't want you to feel bad." <laughs> ice cream has no feelings. It's 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 a it's a dead thing that I'm eating. It's it's full of emulsifiers. Hopefully, a cake. Cake has feelings. <laughs> Gotta keep treat cake right. Um, I hope that answers your questions. XL Hedge, we got another listener question here from Ram Dom Access. He says, What up, WTFTFW crew? 
Uh, so I don't know if you guys really have an opinion on this, but I think a lot about how Overwatch feels like the thing that G.I. Joe should have become. A collection of oddities fighting other collections of oddities, keeping only a vague sort of military squadron theme, but being... Uh, be become being more superheroic, you know? And to keep things somewhat on topic, what animation studio would you like to see do Transformers? Mine would probably be Studio Trigger, because at the very least, uh, it would be interesting, fun, and energetic. Uh, anyway, later, man, I mean, click. So, uh, I totally agree that Overwatch feels like what G.I. Joe could have easily turned itself into to survive. because uh, it is just a bunch of cartoony characters, and you have, like, a cartoony villain group. Uh, and it's, it's loosely military in the loosest sense. Like, I could completely see the Overwatch cast as, like, a new G.I. Joe and, you know, versus Talon, uh, thing. It feels like it's made for toys, it feels like it's made for, for cartoons and stuff. It seems like that's all going to be happening. So, uh, I totally agree. I don't know. Um, Seth, have you, have you, uh, played much Overwatch lately? Um, well, as I was informed after the last show, you don't get to fly through those early levels anymore after you uh, get promoted. <laughs> so I've been taking a break for apparently no reason. Um, uh, summer game starts in a couple of days, I believe. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Um, so I will be playing because I got to get all them new skins and stuff. Um, I just oh, need to want... get one or two. <sighs> Have you heard... Uh, what they're doing with the skins? No, it's good. Okay, so original summer games that that was the first event. You couldn't buy any of the special items with credits. You could only get them out of loot boxes. So, it, in all the events after that, you were able to buy the stuff with credits. So that's going to happen. You're going to be able to buy the summer game stuff with with credits. So all the old skins and sprays and everything will be available again along with new ones here's the most awesome part all, all the right. old things are at a discounted cost for credits oh that's great so normally a legendary skin um in an event is three thousand credits there'll be one thousand credits like a regular legendary skin is that's cool so you can get all your cool cool skins like, the Genji Summer Game skin is pretty rad. And that fencing spray, which I believe you're going to want. I'll probably just go grab it. Yeah. Uh, which is weird for me. Usually I don't go out of my way for sprays, but it's it's like the only fencing content. Yeah. Um, have they shown any of the new things for Summer Games? Um, if they have, I haven't seen it. But there, okay. people have done data mining and determined who is getting stuff and how much but all that that lets you know is this character is getting two things this character is getting four things yeah and then you you could guess like any character that didn't get a skin last time is likely getting a skin the characters that are getting like four or six items are like the characters that didn't exist yet like all the all the added in characters and a lot of those are my favorite ones right now because like I've been I've been having major major gains playing Orisa, and I tried out Doomfist and I think I'm really loving playing Doomfist. Yeah, I haven't played Doomfist yet. I've been playing Doomfist the way that I like would usually play my Sentai Genji, uh, in a, in a way like not precisely, but like that's how I started, and it's like I'm having way more success with him because his rocket punch is a lot less precise. 
and it means I can like like maze come running up to freeze people and now I can just like rocket punch them when they do that and they fly across <laughs> the room and I'm like finally I can shut down May this feels so good uh, uh, yeah like all the summer game skins are are mostly like sports based but also um nationality based I would really so, like, like their, their countries of origin Based. I'd really like it if, if Doomfist just got a giant red boxing glove. <laughs> that would make me really happy. That'd be all right. With like a, like he'll likely have some sort of Nigerian flag shirt or sure. some other colors because like Tracer has like a, a track outfit with a British flag on her back like a cape. Mm-hmm. Um, the Genji skin is like all white. Like it, it's his like regular armor. But it's all white with a, a small little red circle on his chest, mm. like for the Japanese flag. Um, so it's cool stuff like that. Yeah, I'd, I'm looking I, forward I, to I, it. I would be way down for a big silly red boxing glove on Doomfist, yeah. just given how like utterly like badass most of his voice lines are. I want him doing that with a big red boxing glove. <laughs> well, have you seen Bastion's uh, emote from Summer Games? Probably? Because he has boxing gloves. And oh, he does yeah, like a yeah. rock'em sock'em robot thing where his head pops up. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I, just want, I want something for Doomfist because I looked at Doomfist's current skins and they're not bad. They're just not like I'm going to try to pursue them or anything. There's only one of them I think is cool. Like the one with the leopard print. Yeah. That one I think looks really cool. All the other ones are kind of meh. Like, the one where he's covered in, like, metal skin and stuff, given how much I like that skin design on everyone else who's gotten one like that, on Doomfist it somehow seemed kind of boring, because they didn't really... Because it's like, he's got metal skin and everything, but it also still looks like he's wearing his, like, one nipple-showing costume, and I'm like, it yeah. doesn't feel all that different. <laughs> he has a little... I think he has, like, a little, a little mohawk or something, but that was about it. Yeah, it looks too much like Yondu's mohawk from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Um. By the way, going to the anyway, all-topic question, uh, or yeah, the, that no. bit. Um, well, the, my my only thing is, I wonder if the GI Joe name isn't part of the problem, because it's such a military reference, but also a really outdated military reference. Oh, totally. Like, Amer- does anybody anywhere refer to American soldiers as GI Joes anymore? No, they're referring to a cartoon when they say G.I. Yeah. Joe. It's, it seems like a really outmoded name. Um, <laughs> I mean, they could also change the name to something more, you know... They could, they could change the name to something a little, bit, a little bit more modern, like, I don't know, like Overwatch or something. Call, them, call, the, call the group Overwatch. <laughs> Have them fight against Cobra and, like, a yeah. new villain group called, like, Talon or something. Yeah, I just... I don't know what you do with G.I. Joe, though... Like, if you change the name, then you're people the might not brand. know what it is. Yeah, you're changing the yeah. brand, so you're kind of stuck with it. But I just, I think the name's part of the problem these days. Yeah, I mean, the, the way the way the name ever works is when it's like a, a code name, and they go out of their way to to establish it's like it's you know this this wasn't this was a long lived group, and this is the current version of it. Code name GI Joe. And then yeah. don't go too deep into the fact that you're keeping the code name. Like that that is the way around it, but it also really exposes how much that's just that's the brand name. Yeah, well that was one of the things I didn't like in the movie, because 
like the the code names of the individual Joes um, were just like nicknames that they either had or got. Where the vibe I always got was the code names was because it was such a top secret thing that yeah. th- it was the hiding the identities mm. of the actual members of the team. Yeah, I, I want to say I might be wrong on this. I I got the gist from Revolution in the current comic books that some of the code names are even like handed down. Um, I don't I, that might be completely wrong, but I got I got that gist from some of the ones like mainframe. Uh-huh. Or it felt like maybe there had been another mainframe and like this is the next person to take up the mantle. And like I kind of like that idea. I I could be cool with that idea if it's a way to kind of maintain a level of a uh, continuity. Yeah. But tr- try to switch things up. So you could have a new duke. And maybe the new duke is a Latino guy. Yeah. But the original Duke still existed. Yeah. Like, um, what was his name? Conrad something. Conrad Hauser. Oh, why do yeah. I know that? Like, uh, make him like General Hauser now and yeah. he's something else. But they're like the new like field leader, like the, the guy that's out there leading in the field. Like, Duke is just the code name for that guy. Yeah. And, you could, and you could do some cool stuff with that, I think. Like, you know, have like the, the the successor thing allows for it's a bit easy writing, I guess, but it allows for classic stories like the successor story. Like, you know, Snake Eyes has two apprentices and one of them wants to become the next Snake Eyes. The other is the like next that. Storm Shadow. Yeah. The other one goes rogue and, and becomes the new Storm Shadow. But yeah. then I would also like them to add in new characters and not just here's the new everybody. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was about to say like it's this, like this... maybe there isn't a new Lady J right now. Yeah, like like this is a way to maintain to to have stories to have those ties to keep code names around. But you would need to still put in new characters. Like in in Devil's Due, GI Joe, they introduced <laughs> no. a bunch of new characters that I I still fondly remember. The new Lady J is a man. <laughs> yeah, or like. I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about. There was a new ninja character in in Devil's Due, and I forgot his name. Damn it! I think it was Kamakura or something. Anyway, he got a toy eventually, and it was really cool. Him and Wraith. I liked Wraith a lot. Wraith Wraith was like deviant art original character garbage. If you look at him from too far a distance, because uh-huh. he was the new cool mercenary who's cooler than Firefly. And has like an anime stealth suit, but it was a really cool looking stealth suit. Yeah, it made for a really cool figure, I thought. But an Overwatch like hero shooter video game with GI Joe characters might be cool. I just don't know if any studio would invest the money to make it good and not just like a shovelware kind of garbage game. It feels like something that would, from the Hasbro end, be the be the push to go like, "Hey, Overwatch, why don't you have a GI Joe event and we'll." let you make G.I. Joe skins. That would be amazing. Snake Eyes Genji. That would be amazing. Yeah. Someone at Hasbro call somebody at Blizzard. Like, they are letting the G.I. Joe license do some kooky stuff. Like, uh, you know the the, those synthetic human figures with the creepy, like, skeleton face and the posable eyes? Uh-huh. Um, they, they've they done some G.I. Joe collaborations where they did, like, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow as synthetic humans who were, like, 
the memories of the G.I. Joe, the, the fiction behind it was real loose and short, but it was like the the genetic memories of the G.I. Joe characters were inserted into these robot bodies. And oh, then there they, was uh, some... Oh, go ahead. Well, they, they just released a Duke where they took it a step further. It's literally, it's the synthetic human with like a Duke outfit with like a G.I. Joe print on his jacket. And he's got Duke's face and hair, but just the front of Duke's face. So it's like the front of Duke's face, the skin is stretched over this robot. So it looks like Duke from the front, but if you go around to the back, the back of Duke's head is just missing and there's just a robotic skull head. So it's like it's like a synthetic human who's got the memories of Duke, but is, you know, also clearly not actually Duke. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, there's a the most recent Micro Machine games have a couple G.I. Joe vehicles in it as a his tank and something else. Oh, and that was like with the oh, what was it? The um, what's the game series called? The the Toy Soldiers game or whatever, where they had like He Man characters and GI Joe characters. It was a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, remember the name of it anymore. Yeah. Damn it! But yeah, I think I think that like of all their licenses, the one that like Hasbro kind of cool to like throw around seems to be GI Joe because they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, the other part of this question I actually don't have a good answer for because I don't know my animation studios that well, but, like, Seth, do you know an animation studio you'd like to see do Transformers? No, I don't know names of animation studios hardly at all. Um, yeah, I only, I only know a couple, like, like, I mean, obviously it'd be fun to watch Gynax do one, because Gynax do cool stuff. And their stuff's usually pretty, pretty kooky and very unique. Studio Ghibli. The, the very, the very relaxed, very, very quiet and thoughtful <laughs> Studio Ghibli Transformers yeah. film. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down for it. I would do something no... like Grave of the Fireflies with with oh, Transformers. Man, yeah. <laughs> Just bum everybody out forever. <laughs> like, the, there's no animation studio I can think of where I'd be like, oh, nuts, they got Transformers. Like, right now, the only, the only place where I even come close to that is, like, Machinima, because they spent, like, $5 on their animation or whatever, and it, it looked like it. And so that, that's not even really the studio that I'm I'm annoyed with. It seemed more like the budget. So unfortunately, I, I don't I don't know my animation well enough to have a good answer. Um, but I would like to see everyone do Transformers because I generally like Transformers in in many different styles. Well, like the I have no idea who it was that did that. Uh, um, Thundercats. Uh, but oh. they did some really they really tried and and you could tell it was made by fans and they were trying to do something really modern and and good with it kind of like gotta, with how animated was when you had the people doing animated clearly really liked Transformers in their history I thought um, Thundercats had a really good animation studio attached to it and now I can't remember who they were because I'm not awake enough I'm not. I'm not. My brain isn't firing on all of its cylinders quite yet. Give a give Transformers to the Rick and Morty people. I would. I, yo, <laughs> let's see what happens. Have you seen some of the Pickle Rick clips? Yeah, that episode's it's, on tonight. I know. I'm excited. The clips I've seen, like that's some really friggin' good action animation. Uh, I'm kind of psyched about that episode too. Pickle um, Rick. Seth, I got, I got us a couple pieces of movie news that I think are, are, are discussable to some degree. 
And okay. uh, the first one I made a really great uh, name for in the topic list. It's uh, Akiva Gold's Buys, man. Because Akiva Goldsman is saying goodbye. Bye. He's uh, no longer. Akiva. He's no longer involved um, with the writers' room. When asked if he was still involved with the Transformers franchise, he gave the simple answer of no. No. Yep. Uh, so uh, our our boy Lorenzo de Bonaventura. I only say, I only say that because his name is fun to say. Um, the producer says the writers' room, which was set up by all of us, was set up to explore the mythology more. It was set up for a few different reasons, but the biggest thing that happened in it was they expanded the mythology of Transformers in a way that allowed us to go to King Arthur. That's different areas, like we've examined World War II, etc. Uh, and so apparently, uh, that writers' room was reported to have produced fourteen story ideas, two of which resulted in Transformers: The Last Night, while one more is in development as the upcoming Bumblebee movie. So no one knows if that whole writer's room is gone. I expect they are because they had very famous writers in there who were probably busy doing other work now. Um, and it kind of makes sense if they're saying we came up with two ideas that became Transformers the last night because it did it seem showed. like there was two <laughs> movies crammed into one. Yeah, it, it, it was super apparent to me. Uh, and I, I almost think like, hey, that was seems like a waste of two very good ideas because if you listen to our podcast about the movie... I think both the idea, the, the major ideas, were, could have been really fun standalone movies. I, I'm actually kind of bummed out that they smashed them together. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think that this writers' room thing, like if they had 14 story ideas and they've used three so far, and the results of trying to use two at once was the lowest-grossing film in a while, they probably don't need to bring the writers' room back together for a good long time because they've got uh, what 11 other story ideas that hopefully they will not multi-smash together you know that that's 11 films of ideas that they could potentially still use another decade of Transformers movies already done uh I'm also kind of down with this because like Akiva Goldsman isn't like a name I tend to attach to like the best movies ever made <laughs> so one 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 less uh, questionable name attached is, is definitely making me feel better. It's kind of like when we kind of, when, when we, we ditched uh, Aaron Kruger and Orsi and Kurtzman. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Kind kind of feeling all right about them moving on. Yeah, like with what we were just saying about like when fans of the franchise actually get to finally make the franchise, like Transformers animated, Thundercats. The Marvel movies, um, we don't have that yet with stuff like Transformers. Yeah. Like, we're in that that late 90s where comic book movies were, where maybe it's all right, like the X-Men, but it didn't really ever feel like that guy really knew the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we don't have that yet in something like Transformers. I don't know if we'll ever get there. It'd be nice. It certainly feels like a weird parallel. Like, there was a Forbes article that just came out about um, the state of the Transformers films, where they, they literally were going, like, uh, there's it's just too much to try to stretch, you know, deep story out of something as shallow as a toy license. And uh, I saw it retweeted by uh, Jeremy from Transmissions, where he was like, that's it's incredible how they are not acknowledging the incredibly popular, literally award-winning comic books coming out right now. 
saying Transformers does not have the potential for good stories because of these films. And it's like, that's the public image that the film still, that, that the franchise has uh, with, with the average Joe public. And that reminds me a little bit of how comic book movies felt, where it's like a comic book movie would come out and it would be like, well, what do you expect? It's based on comic books, you know, like from yeah. the average Joe public reaction. Well, like, I'm not the hugest Beast War fan around, but they there's some really great Beast Wars episodes, Beast Wars episodes, and and uh, plots and concepts that played out over multiple episodes. Oh yeah, I mean, it's there's tons you could do with Transformers. It's just when you have writers that are just doing a job and a director that's just cashing the fat paycheck, um, they're not that interested in making that level of quality happen. Yeah, and and the average Joe public perspective to work Beast Wars anyway. Because I thought about this, it's Transformers was in the '80s, and then it was live action movies, and Beast Wars is the punchline to a joke where someone will then go, "Oh, but you remember Beast Wars," and like that's it. Like that's the average Joe public outlook for uh, not you know not everyone, but to, to paint with the broadest brush. I think that's yeah, that's what the, stands in the way. But the answer to uh, do you remember Beast Wars should be like, yeah, there was some really good storytelling in there. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's what that's. I, I was saying this on Twitter. That's why I get so frustrated still. Like, and it's my problem that I have a lot of trouble dealing with listening to the you know the average Joe public people talk about Transformers because I just sit there going like, yo, actually Beast Wars is really good. Also. There are literally years of good Transformers comics if you just look at the ones coming out now. That's if you ignore some of the really good comics that came out in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like, uh, and then, but I don't want to be the, the guy standing in the corner of the room screaming at everybody. No, so. like, I, I saw those tweets from Jeremy too, and it, it just it seems like it was a hit piece. Like, oh, yeah. oh the Transformer franchise has slipped. This has been a franchise since the beginning that has made a ton of money, even though critics and and the good movie goers think it's garbage. So now that it's slipped in how much money it's making, I, we can get away with trashing it. So it, now now we're going to finally we're going to jump on it. And it's like it's just a hit piece. It was just someone who has beef with the movies who took an opportunity to not it, like it, he's he's the same thing as like michael bay like he doesn't actually care about transformers he doesn't give a crap he, he's just he's just getting off on pooping on it i just don't also don't want to get in the position of starting to defend the movies because i used to get into that position and it's like i don't actually want to stick up for the movies because they do suck for the most part yeah i'm defending the franchise like this was a yeah. like this article was written by someone who just wanted to tear the movies down yeah and, and go for doesn't it. actually know or care about the franchise yeah i even feel weird nowadays like it's just semantics now even when i go like oh i love transformers as a franchise or like i want to stick up for the franchise i start going like Franchise is a th is an IP owned by a corporation designed to make money. At the end of the day, I don't actually want to stick up for corporation either. <laughs> but yeah, I like but, Transformers. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the dude's misrepresenting the the thing. Oh yeah, what, I, what bugs me about it? I, I just see it as it's it's just uh, what do you call it? It's just part of it's it's part of the case that I make about what Joe Public thinks about Transformers as yeah. just a thing. Yeah, if you wanted to trash the movies, trash the movies, trash the people involved in the movies, but don't trash 
or pretend like there isn't good transformer media because there is yeah. and th- and that that's where it it irritates me like he certainly had to go at some of the people in the movies. I think he did work in a Shia LaBeouf joke. He worked in a Megan Fox's butt joke because there's a, there's a checklist for these things. Yeah, well, I'm going to write an article about how books are a bad storytelling medium and then only point out like schlocky like romance novels and Fifty like, Shades of Grey. Have you seen Fifty Shades of Grey? So my mom... Uh, got got some like super cheap books on her kindle just to kill time when she was uh-huh. like on the ferry and she just she was telling me that she decided to pointedly just get like something that looked like actual garbage because she wanted just potato chip reading uh-huh. so she got this thing and she when she described it to me it was hilarious because she had the right attitude when trying to describe this she was like it's like a world with vampires and werewolves and i was like twilight she's like no not twilight <laughs> but because there's a third faction in this world and they are called shapeshifters so the main character is a girl who can shapeshift into a coyote and shapeshifters are very rare and a werewolf is in love with her because the vampires are all evil in this book and i was like this sounds great and she's like all it right. is great so if this girl could turn into a coyote that's not much different than a werewolf <laughs> well it's different because werewolves turn into bipedal people but the, and they're not shapeshifting they're whatever you call it the, the, this girl is like literally can, is actually just turning into a, just a straight up coyote and that's different well it'd be more different if she turned into like a, a hawk or, or not not another dog <laughs> I bet you that's in the sequel where it's like she meets turn the, into a oh what what if it was a girl that literally turned into a cougar that's what happens when <laughs> if it was a middle aged woman that shapeshifted yeah. into a cougar and that was the main that's that's what happens when they hit book number three and the author's going like, all right, what's the uh, uh, cougar? All right, well, I'm gonna <laughs> that'll, that'll be Coyote I'm Girl's writing mom. this book myself. Oh, geez, <laughs> what's your writer name going to be? Um, Seth Buzzer. Pe- no, Peter is hard. Oh, <laughs> uh, Peter as hard. Or just is Peter hard. is hard. Peter oh, Peter is hard. Is hard. That's yeah. okay. Uh, my friend Mark did that in our senior yearbook, not senior junior yearbook he when he submitted his picture for the yearbook where you would write your name he wrote peter is hard <laughs> and then we were looking at the yearbooks and in art class and the the art class teacher was the uh was the yearbook teacher yearbook staff teacher and uh people are pointing it out and laughing he's like oh peter is hard ha 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 and then he overhears and goes, hey, hey, don't make fun of people just because of their names. And then somebody's like, uh, Mr. Frank, that that's Mark. Um, he put a fake name in. <laughs> and then Mr. Frank just looked really mad and walked away without saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good gag. That's a good gag. Uh, hey, I got a good gag for you. This is this is a joke. What if they put friggin' like John Cena into the next Transformers movie? Um, he's probably gonna play an army man. Well, what if I told you it's not a joke? It's real. Oh, he's John probably gonna Cena, play some sort of military man. John Cena is gonna be a leading a leading role in Transformers Universe colon Bumblebee, set in 1987. Uh, no one knows what role he's gonna play, but apparently it is a leading one. Uh, I think that is completely suitable. That utterly works for me. 
He's going to be an army man. There's going to be army porn in this movie. Well, you know, you know what some people were thinking because he usually plays an army man. They were like, "What if John Cena plays a guy who was revealed at the end?" He's like, "They're like, what's your name?" And he's like, "My name is, my name is Colonel John Hauser." And then the Rock kicks in the door. And he's like, "Ah, oh, Roadblock! There you are." And this is like the secret setup for the new GI Joe movies. Are they gonna have to digitally youngify Rock the Dwayne Johnson? Well, just like get him to shave. And then just roll with that. Just say he's looked the same for the last 30 years. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think this is cool. I would like to go to a, a Transformers convention with John Cena at it. The, the TFCon already already at their non-TFCon conventions are able to get wrestlers all the time. So this, this to me, just <laughs> I'm just sitting there going like, but, hey. I mean, they get wrestlers, but they're not... They're getting like old wrestlers. They're not getting John Cena. John Cena ain't coming to TFCon. Hey, listen. At least not for another ten years. <laughs> we're, we're, I think we're gonna get John Cena before we get Virgil. Is all I'm gonna say. I, I, I don't I, know. I think if they just sent Virgil a bus ticket, he'd probably come. <laughs> no, we don't. I, I don't know, man. Virgil sometimes. I think Virgil would would have some surprise standards. He'd be like, Nah, I, I'm not coming out there unless you also give me a hotel room. Don't they don't they do that with their guests? I mean, I assume they do, but when you said just a bus ticket, I was like, thinking he needs more than that. What I'm saying is, I'm imagining Virgil setting up a tent in the lobby. All right, good old Virgil. Yeah, but I I don't see how you cast John Cena and don't make him some sort of military man. I think because you make him... he is even in wrestling, he's a fake army man in a lot of ways like he comes out and salutes and uh, yeah. every time i see that i have to bite my tongue to keep from yelling at the tv you were never actually in the marines <laughs> you played a marine once but you weren't actually a marine and then he has this like competition reality show where it's all like former actual former military people putting folks through obstacle courses but it's like, John, you were never actually in the military. Stop it. I, th I think you got to have him have at least a military background, but you also got to have him play the protagonist dad. Is he retired? He's yeah, retired. He, he's special like retired forces. Military. Yeah. Retired Green Beret. Because the, the last time I remember John Cena being in a movie, he also played a dad and it totally worked. He's um, getting old enough. Yeah. Do you remember once upon a time there was the first channel to hit a million subscribers on YouTube was this channel called like Fred? Oh, I hated Fred. And you know how Fred got like fifteen he's the, movies? He, yeah, he's a nightmare. The first Fred movie, John Cena in character as John Cena was cast as his dad. Weird. And it worked. So I think I think we just need to bring everything together. John Cena plays former military dad John Cena. <laughs> just make that his name. Make that his character's name. He, plays he was like, all right in that movie with what's her face in it. I don't. What's that what called? The train wreck. <laughs> I've only seen him in the Marine and in a clip from the Fred movie. Yeah, it was in the uh, Amy Schumer movie Train Wreck. Oh, I haven't seen it. There's there's a great scene where they're in a movie theater and John Cena gets in a a shouting match with another theater patron. 
and all of his threats are like really inappropriate (laughs) i will try to remember to go check this out (laughs) um but yeah that's our uh, that's our big movie news um, I think it's, I think it's pretty positive movie news. Given the pedigree of the films, even though Bumblebee as a film looks like it might break a whole lot of, uh, might be able to break free from the current state of live action films, uh, I also still think John Cena as a cast member is completely on topic. Like that, that says Transformers movies to me. Um, going on from there, Seth, I've got us some more listener questions. Okay, doke. First one from Lightning Blade Three. Hello, Evangelist and WTFTFW podcast crew. I have a question for you. While I do agree with you on how Peter Cullen's Optimus Prime performance for Trans 5 Mers wasn't his best, do you think age could be a factor as well? Yeah, he had some crappy lines, but something in the voice itself felt off to me, like age might be catching up to him. I do hope it's just Cullen not truly giving his all and not a result of him getting older. I also hope this isn't his last live-action role as Optimus, because he deserves to finish on a much better note than the last night. Thanks for answering my question, and I wish you a good day. Um... So I think that's a perfectly solid theory, except that Peter Cullen also plays Optimus Prime like in in all the cartoons. And uh, even though he's not in Robots in Disguise as much, his lines in, in like the most recent Robots in Disguise stuff I've watched sounded like a better performance. It really felt like in Transformers 5, he was literally just uninterested uh, compared to a performance he recorded around about the same time for, for television. Um, so I, I don't think it's the age yet, although that's totally well. Awful. His the the sound of Optimus Prime has changed since G one, and I'm sure that has to do with age. Oh, definitely. Um, like he's straight up said that's why current Optimus sounds the way he does. Yeah, he sounded a little more country back in the day. Yeah, a little more country, a little more like he's ready to spin a basketball. <laughs> um. But yeah, he's he's very recently, I think, done some pretty good cartoon performances. So I don't think it's the age thing for the case of last night, but we'll see. He's about to play Optimus Prime again in a Machinima production, and I, I wonder how that'll go. <laughs> so I wonder how engaged they will get him to be with that. Well, it probably, because it sounds like he was bummed, he's bummed out in the movies whenever Prime's like, everyone's got to get murdered now. Piles yeah. of bodies stacked like cordwood. Um, Destroy the earth. Yes. So maybe he's less. The 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 writing will be stuff that feels more primey to him, so he'll be more interested. Or yeah, we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, I don't want that Machinima production to turn out badly. I just think it will turn out badly. <laughs> uh, so I'd like to be wrong. Um. Well, you're, actually, just, oh. you're, you're setting your expectations yeah based on previous experience <laughs> and also based on the way they they started marketing this one by pushing out everyone except for the main character actors to the to the top of the list um Seth I just realized these all their all their remaining listener questions including that one all are people who have numbers at the end of their names wow so uh, that was lightning blade three now we have a listener question from Shadowcon lm 14. He says, uh, hi, podcast crew. I've been out of the collecting scene for about three years due to money problems, but I've still kept an eye on what's going on with the toy lines and the fan communities, which I still find satisfying enough. Has this happened to you? Was there ever a time when you fell out of collecting something but kept up with the fandom? Is it all? Is it at all satisfying for you? Keep up the awesome work on the podcast. 
Um, so Seth, I remember you've got, you've not necessarily like fully detached, but you've we talked about it before that sometimes it's like the toys just aren't doing it for you, and so you step back from that part. Yeah, I mean, well, with Transformers specifically, it kind of depends on what the the current gimmick is for the line or something. Yeah, like I haven't bought a single last night toy, but I'm still buying Titan Masters. Um, uh, there's there's like other fandoms and stuff. Like I still check in on what's up with Warhammer every now and then. Me too. Even though I haven't spent a dollar on it since the Space Marine video game, and but nothing on the tabletop stuff for quite a long time. Um, yeah, uh, I'm the same way. Like, and I I watch a lot. Like, recently I've picked up watching more war gaming stuff because I've kind of been getting back into a war game, uh, which I'll talk about later. But I like the whole reason I started doing like the V build video series I started doing was based on watching uh, Beasts of War doing build videos for Warhammer models. So I thought it was really fun. It was very satisfying just to watch like they were gluing together like a Titan figure or something. Yeah. But there has been some significant stretches of, of Transformers like since I started collecting as an adult, like since R.I.D. slash car robots, depending on which version you want to refer to. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Unicron trilogy, I barely cared about at all, but I was so into the message board community, the TFW community. I, I was always there still. Yeah. And then when I was doing them funny robots, I was buying stuff almost out of an obligation. So I wasted a bunch of money there. Then in the early days of the podcast, I was buying stuff out of a feeling of obligation. So I wasted a bunch of money there. Yeah. Um, so I just try not to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like even with Titan Masters, like, after like the first kind of couple waves of Voyagers and Leaders, I kind of realized that I don't like those larger Titan Master figures enough to warrant the price. So I stuck with the Luxes and Smallers, which I which for me is the sweet spot for that line. Is the Lux down? Yeah. Um uh, a lot of uh, in, in Titans Return, having picked up a lot of that line, like you know, the the figures where the problems start to show up tend to be Voyager and up, where they mm-hmm. uh, like you know the, the Voyagers they're trying to do triple changing, and sometimes it works great, and sometimes it super doesn't work great, especially like early on. Like last time I was at Toys R Us, they had the Megatron, and I couldn't remember if I had it yet or not. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and it was really bad i was like is it just because it's it's kind of a similar silhouette to a megatron that came out a couple years ago is it because it's a remold of the blitzwing and i'm just remembering blitzwing and then i I just couldn't remember if i had bought it or not (laughs) because i'm just i'm way more interested in the deluxes like yeah I'm looking for deluxes when I go to the store way more than anything else. And I'm, I don't know. It just, it's working better for me there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With transformers, I've always kind of been collecting, but I, I have definitely, like we were talking about with Warhammer, like I've, I have not bought Warhammer stuff and probably will not buy Warhammer stuff again for the foreseeable future. Other than like the paint that they make, uh, 
Although there was some really cool, st like I, it was kind of fun coming back to their paint and looking at what they've been doing because the the way that Games Workshop has made their paint stay viable, other than you know like foisting it on everyone who gets into their games, is they they made some really kooky, neat stuff like these paints where it's like you just put this kind of glop onto the base of the figure and then leave it to dry overnight, and then it dries and cracks and looks like, you know, uh, a cracked, like, desert floor or something. Mm -hmm. so you, don't, you don't have to use, like, white glue and sand if you don't want to. And I was like, that's neat. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the easy part, flocking a base or something. But I never liked doing it, because I was like, I don't want to have to get all this other stuff out. I feel like I, I got pretty good at it. Where I would include static grass and gravel and other materials I, I picked up I picked up two of those those basing paints uh, the other week and I gave them a try and they're they're pretty neat yeah but, I mean that's cool like the, there's been texture paint and modeling forever so it, it's probably just a a type of that oh yeah yeah it's just it's sold it's like the the thing about it that I also liked is that games workshop uh, apparently they're under new leadership now or something like someone, someone else is in charge. So, like, for their paints, where it's like a shade, a shading ink, or like one of these texture colors, where you probably would use a lot of it, pretty fast. Uh huh. They changed the bottle size to be bigger for those ones because they're like, well, you're going to use a lot of this, so when you buy a bottle of it, you'll get a taller bottle of it. That's good. And I was like, that's that's nice. Like that's acknowledging something. Uh. And then somebody got mad because it doesn't fit in with fit into whatever they keep the rest of their paint in. Yeah. <laughs> well, they also put out. I thought this was a joke, but then I saw it at a store. You know, they had like those spray primers in black and white. Yeah. Because everyone uses those. They actually released an XL version where the spray can is like, it's like fourteen inches tall. Huh. I didn't know you could make aerosol spray cans that tall. Well, uh, I I used to get. I used to buy Armory um, primer a lot. And yeah. those were in really big cans. I I don't know if if they're bigger or uh, I don't re I don't know how many ounces off the top of my head the Armory ones were, but those were really big cans. I kind of remember those, but the, these XL cans struck me like seeing one in person is like comically large. Uh. Like it, it felt like it was a joke that someone then decided to actually produce, which uh, made me smile. This, I, I've, I went to this place where they had like a whole bunch of different brands of paint, and I've, I've been of the mindset, and I, I checked around. It seems to be a mindset that is a smart one, which is don't just like be a brand loyalist with paint. Just get the ones that work. Yeah. So I've been, I've been mixing all these different companies' paints. Um, well, I remember I liked the the way the Armory stuff came out better than than the Citadel. Primer. Oh yes. I haven't I haven't read anything good about Citadel Primer other than people just saying it's the one that I buy because I bought it first. Yeah, I mean, and it's been so long, I I wouldn't be surprised. I, actually, I would be surprised if they haven't changed the formula at some point. But I remember mm -hmm. there it, it wouldn't go on smooth. Like there would be like like bumps, like little hard clumps that would form in it that mm -hmm. I'd have to like scrape off and to, to smooth it out where the the armory dried way smoother like applied and dried smooth i've been i've been trying out because i already had it for shapeway stuff i was buying and painting i've just been using my krylon sprays and they seem to be working out okay uh but yeah that's that's easily a, a fandom where I, I get satisfaction just out of like spectating it even though i don't buy any of it anymore 
And uh, video games are often like that for me too, where there's like, I'm more into video games now than I was uh, like seven or eight years ago. But there are still a lot of video games where I, I get enough out of just listening to and watching the coverage and playing of them for a bit without getting like hardcore into them. Um, also, like uh, Power Rangers as a fandom is one that I spectate way like I haven't bought a Power Rangers branded toy in a good long time except for that time I bought the Lord Zed figure because it was Lord Zed uh, so th there's that's a fandom where I definitely like I know a lot of people who are in the Power Rangers fandom and I love listening to their conversations and like peeking in on their fandom it's very satisfying without actually buying any of the Bandai of America toys at all um so yeah, it's completely normal, I think. And it's I think it is borderline healthy if you just don't feel like collecting stuff. Like collecting out of obligation is the worst way to collect stuff. Uh, as we've even mentioned here many times before, when you feel like obligated to buy something because you're on a podcast, yeah. it, it just bums <laughs> you out eventually. <laughs> well, because then you're buying stuff because you feel like you have to and not something that you actually wanted. Yeah. Um... What we're going to do now, hopefully that answered your question, ShadowCon LM14, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back with another listener question. So stay tuned, everyone, and enjoy whatever I put in here. Amy. But she's not. What's up? Is that wine in a box? Mm-hmm. I've read, too. You've read, too. Oh, yeah. Does this guy ever going to shut up? Mm, please watch the movie. Oh. Stop, no, that's not right. Don't do this to me. Why is he yelling? Listen, you always do this to me. You you show up to these places, you put me in a situation. I'm a big guy. Everybody wants to fight the yeah, big guy. Yeah, you are. Hey, uh, Mark Wahlberg, shut your bitch up. Mark, Mark Wahlberg? Me? Who else looks like Mark Wahlberg? Your girl? Mark Wahlberg's like 150 pounds. I'm 250 lean. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. Seth, we're back. Hi. Hey, Hello. came back. Uh, we have one more listener question from one more person with a number at the end of their name. Cool. This is from Epsilon8, uh, who says, With the hypothetical next season of Hasbro Toys, where the leader toys will upgrade themselves, is fun to hypothesize. This is not a question, just want to put this visual image into Evangelist's head. What if Optimus Primal is carrying around a giant banana that opens itself and he can wear it as the optimal Optimus armor and Gorilla Optimus riding in a tiny tank that transforms into armor? That'd be great. Uh, the main thing I'm taking from this is, is I like the idea of the optimal Optimus armor disguising itself as a giant banana. Uh, I think that would be fun. I think that it would be great if Optimal or if Optimus Primal actually came, you know, some toy of him actually came with a banana, because the closest we got was the Masterpiece toy, When if you got, like, the special version with the, the the metal piece, that came in a box that said it was a box full of bananas, but there were no bananas inside. Um, Optimus Primal wanting bananas is a massive, long-term joke from the Japanese dub of Beast Wars, so he he does rather warrant having a banana accessory at some point. I want to clear that up. What if they do a, a tractor trailer truck where the cab turns into Optimus Primal in gorilla mode mm -hmm. and the trailer turns into the optimal Optimus armor? So he is, so truck is monkey. Yeah, I'd be down for that. 
And as long could as just post on TFW truck is monkey over and over again. Yeah, on April first, that can just be the the title of every thread in Transformers discussion. Uh, but yeah, um, this brings us to a what we got this week section. So uh, I have on topic things I can talk about. Seth, do you have on topic things? Yes and no. Ooh. Yes, that they're in my possession. No, because I haven't opened them yet. Ah. So I was expecting this big bad box on Monday. It came yesterday, but I didn't know it had come. <laughs> so I didn't like my girl. For some reason, at about midnight, my girlfriend just thought. I wonder if there's anything on the doorstep and open the front door and there it was. <laughs> and it was right as we were heading to bed. Oh man. And so I opened the box, but I didn't get open the things in the box yet. That's all right. But so I have, um, misfire, wind blade and twin twist. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to I find those locally. Yeah. I, kind of like almost given up finding transformers again it's real bad out there these days it sounds like it in the states right now like in canada we're having a pretty decent run of stuff actually shipping but it it's i know i'm 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 not holding out that that's going to keep up necessarily yeah well the movie stuff is in the way and that doesn't seem to be moving very quickly or at all so it's kind of screwing it seems to be anyway. I'm not like, I don't have access to any sales numbers or anything, but it seems to be screwing getting in any more Titans return stuff. You don't have access to sales numbers. No. How can we even talk about this? Uh, we, well, we can't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I got, to, I put two links in our, in our little chat thing. I got a, a pair of third party toys that are, uh, that are retool twins who got delayed enough that they kind of just shipped at the same time. So, uh, I got Mastermind Creations Turben and Oberon. Uh, Turben is a version of Whirl. Oberon is a version of Obsidian from Beast Machines. Uh, and they're, they're both, uh, sharing a lot of the same base parts, uh, but they also have a whole bunch of retooled parts, like different heads, different backpacks different forearms the base toy uh i'm really liking it's uh it's the stuff i like from the reformatted series in that it is a solid uh robot mode with good posability that has a fairly straightforward transformation that turns into a, a very different looking vehicle um so I'm, I'm liking that uh whirl turbine uh unfortunately like for the company that tends to do idw designs uh he's not the very popular world design um, he's based a lot more on how Whirl looked in the Stormbringer comics before Whirl became super popular. And, uh, even then, like, to me, this is more just, like, Mastermind made a VTOL transformer that functions as a Whirl alike or Obsidian alike without really being, like, literally a version of those characters. Yeah, so in that comic, did Whirl turn into that sort of a aircraft, or was he a fake helicopter? I don't even remember if he transformed in the comic. Um, I think he might have. I think that this was close to the vehicle mode if he had one. Um, but I really don't remember Stormbringer all that well. Because um, yeah, it looks decent enough as a as a in robot mode. But I think the vehicle and robot 
both modes work better for Obsidian. Oh yeah, and, and uh, like the world figure is is a little bit easier to mess with, and also comes with like a sword and stuff. And he's 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 a pretty good figure. He might be the one that's easier to mess with, but yeah, the Obsidian version is a lot more impressive to look at. Like those two gear propeller things. They like you have to install them, like just clip them into place, but then they actually do spin really well. And the geometry is almost like to the micrometer perfect for them to spin without colliding into parts of his body. Uh, and it's, it's kind of fun. And uh, he also has, I think, way more impressive paint because like the, the red on his feet uh, is like a really cool metallic red. And like that's what the red paint on him is. The only problem with Oberon is is that a lot of those red parts on his fingers and the, the propellers, those are all translucent. And on the fingers, it's like double-hinged translucent plastic with pins through it, which always feels kind of scary. Um, they, I haven't had any cracks or anything. I, I just had to kind of... I had to work the joints once to kind of, I don't know, make them breathe. Um, but yeah, I like these two figures a lot. Like, I love the transformation. It's, it's a, a super straightforward, but really well pulled off simple transformation everything tabs into place somewhere in the vehicle mode i love the smooth silhouette of like the front of the cockpit going into the into the body of the helicopter thing um and on on the world version even though his vehicle mode looks kind of weird it's sort of cool how like like those weird uh sticks that turn into his tail that extend back into his tail fins uh those things like fold in multiple places to accordion into his backpack and it's kind of satisfying even though the vehicle mode result is like i don't really know what they're doing there (laughs) Uh, what's the purpose of them in the first place i don't know like they're mostly there just to get the tail fins back to the tail section and and then the tail fins tab in so it kind of locks everything together in a way um just to give it a slightly different tail than obsidian because it doesn't look like obsidian has that no, obsidian's or tail obsidian's tail fins are are just attached to the tail, but uh, on the world version the tail fins detach and fold up into the backpack. And on, on obsidian instead of those things being hinged, the hinged things are his two big propeller assemblies. Um mm. but the the thing about the world one over uh, on on turban that makes it work a little bit better that's not in these photos is they added a sword and they added a storage point so the sword kind of sits along the spine of the alt mode, filling in the gap between those two weird sticks. Uh, and it visually helps it a lot. Um, also, like, they actually did paint his eye yellow on the final version, so it's not just, like, a big, unpainted light pipe piece. So, uh, yeah, I, I like these figures. Um, you can you can unchicken leg them, or you can chicken leg them. You can stick the legs together to look like a kind of chintzy take on Obsidian's, uh, like, unileg from Beast Machines. Um, they, they are best at being just a, a cool robot that has then been shifted to kind of look like two Transformers characters, which is a, a take on third-party toys that I really enjoy myself. Um, like the one where if you change the colors a bit and change the head sculpt, it would just look like an original design. So uh, I'm, I'm weighed down for that stuff. Um, and that is also, I think, it for my on-topic, what I got this week. Trying to think if I got anything else. I don't think I got anything else. So uh, I'm just going to go straight into off-topic-ville. Um, Seth, before I do, did you get anything off-topic this week? Uh, the exact same situation as no. with the on-topic stuff. <laughs> so that yeah. Thor Ragnarok wave is in that box, but I haven't opened them either. 
You know what I saw at uh, Walmart when I went looking for Transformers? The Walmart near me actually got the whole Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Ragnarok waves like in their entirety almost. Wow. Uh, they, they, they were, they, I think that they were both missing two of the figures and like key figures that you need for the Build-A-Figure. Uh-huh. But the number of figures that were all sitting there, like I've never seen that many Marvel Legends in one place in Toronto for a good long time. I don't know. They, my closest Toys R Us needs to do like a big blowout sale on Marvel Legends. They yeah. have like half of a, two different waves from last year still. It's <laughs> it's horrendous. Yeah. Um, same with like a lot of the targets around here. They have a lot of really old figures uh, still just chilling on the shelves. Um, but I have, yeah, I haven't seen either Homecoming or Ragnarok figures on shelves at all. Yeah, the the Homecoming figures were kind of fun to, to flip through. Like they had both Spider Men, um, like you know the the home the homemade suit and the fancy suit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the the fancy the fancy suit one looked like a, just a really good Spider Man toy. Yeah, I have, I have the uh, the Civil War one that came in the three pack with uh, Iron Man and Cap, and then I know there's a a Homecoming Spider Man Iron Man two pack that I think is a Toys R Us exclusive. Yeah, um, so I might wait for that, um, but I, I would like to get the homemade costume and. I'm going to skip most of the wave because there's a lot of figures I don't want in the wave. And it really kind of cheesed me off that the build a figure are vultures wings. Yeah. And you need to buy a frigging tombstone to get yeah. all the parts <laughs> and tombstone um, comes with nothing. It's just like no accessories other than the vulture part. Yeah. Cause I would have liked a complete vulture, but I don't want to get a, that many figures that I don't want just to do it. Yeah. Like if it was just one or two, then maybe I, I would go for it. But I don't know. Maybe if I see Vulture, I'll just get Vulture and then see if I can find the wings on eBay or something for a not insane price. I feel like that's feasible. Maybe not possible, but feasible. Yeah. Well, uh, I got I got a couple. Um, I got I got a pair of uh, Acid Rain figures off eBay. Cool. Uh, it's a figure that I'd missed, and then I saw an eBay seller who had two of them, so I just bought the two because it's it's a troop billable one. I think looks cool. It's the uh, Abaddon Trooper. Uh, this is because I have all the rest of the Abaddon infantry on pre-order, and then I looked at the squad I was building, and I was like, two troopers would finish this off, and also I want at least one friggin' Abaddon Trooper in the Abaddon squad, and I'm bummed out that I missed out on that figure. Um, because he, uh, he, for the most part, sold out uh, while I was needing to take a break from Acid Rain. So uh, I got two copies of him. It's a good figure. Uh, it feels a little different. This is the first Acid Rain figure that I've got since they changed the packaging to have the, the big-ass um, plastic crate for each figure that is also usable as, like, a prop. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of Sigma-6 style plastic crate. Uh, and the figure feels really good. A lot of the joints now have uh, some detents, but they're not, like, too widely apart. So it means that for like a you know GI Joe scaled figure, I can put him in some good poses, and then like none of his joints will flop anywhere. So uh, you have to kind of find the right arrangement to get his feet flat in the ground, but then you can get him totally just you know holding his gun with two hands and shooting at stuff. And uh, it's a good looking figure. I like the aesthetic of the uh, the Abaddon squad, the Omanga troopers, because they're 
their whole thing is supposed to be that the country they're from like had a, a big nuclear problem and so these guys are all like radioactive or something and they have a neat fallout vibe to them so uh i'm digging the figure you can also store his gun on his back which is fun yeah the green stuff off. always looks really cool but i i never dug in on it it's expensive like like yeah. once once i handle this guy i see where the price comes from because he's like he's covered in paint and his joints feel amazing for the scale uh but yeah it's it's pricey um then the other off-topic thing i did is uh i've been kind of getting back into wargaming but not warhammer um many years ago at a pax in 2012 or 2011 uh i had a demo with privateer press to play war machine and i thought the game was really cool and also at the time like it, it was almost designed to be the game for people like me who were sick of 40k where it's like there's still there's still robots in this but you don't need to have like 50 figures to play the game. You can start playing the game with like four figures and have a really good time. So uh, last year they had a big uh, they, they, they had a big rules update and moved into the Mark three of their rule set, uh, which is also kind of cool because they're they've been around for like, I think, almost 10 years and they only they've only had three editions. And this new edition, they've changed the way the game works, where instead of having like they have books and like stat cards you can buy if you want, but they are moving into a model where they're going to be able to like update the stats and rules of figures on the fly. And so it's like they'll have all, all their rules and all their cards are available for free as PDFs, but uh, they're, they're kind of going like you can buy the cards, but maybe don't because we're going to update cards over time. So they're going to move from you know, selling new paper to just saying, get it all software, get it all digitally, because we want to update and rebalance the game that way, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, anyway, I got back into War Machine. So uh, I bought uh, I bought a, a, a little bit of new stuff. I already had a whole bunch of War Machine from before. So uh, I, I, I decided, like, I had a whole bunch of stuff from this faction called the Cricks, which are kind of like, the, the of all the factions, the most clearly evil one. So I, I just got their new starter, and uh i've been i've been modeling and, and working on some crix stuff i'll send you a link to what some of their robots look like they're basically the the necromancer uh faction so they have all these like zombie robots full of green stuff um and I, and so the thing about the about war machine is that it's one of those games where i also spent years going like i need to learn how to magnetize my models install magnets in these models because a lot of the the robots are like one like the the basic robots are you can build them like three different ways to like be like one of three different types and then if you so if you build them with these arms they're this one if you build them with these arms etc and so the whole trick is if you put magnets into those parts so that they're swappable you don't have to buy like three copies of the same figure you can just swap the arms to change what it is and so uh, i went to this place in toronto called meeple mart that i never been to i didn't even know existed for a good long time and it, it's kind of awesome uh, and they had a magnetization kit with just a whole bunch of rare earth magnets and matching drill bits. And so on my first try, I successfully magnetized one of these models. Uh, I'll send you a link, Seth, to a little video I put on Twitter. Cool. I saw a video recently where a dude was um, using a, a carrying case that had metal shelves for his warhammer miniatures where he glued magnets into the bottoms of the bases yeah that's uh i've been looking into because i i, I want to actually keep these things into in a nice like storage case once i get them all painted up 
that is one of the current fashions is like there's the foam cases and then there's the tray cases um and then i saw like what some people said one of the only problems with, with magnetizing all the bases of your models is that some people uh for templates have like a metal ring for the aoe template uh-huh. And they were like, sometimes those metal rings end up like yanking on the magnets of all the figures on the table and it can get messy. But that doesn't uh-huh. seem like it's super common. Uh, but yeah, putting magnets and stuff like in 40k, it's also a thing where it's like people will get space marine models where you can build the model to be holding either like a bolter or a melta gun. Yeah. And they'll just magnetize those parts so you can swap the gun on the figure uh, depending smart. on what you want it to do. Yeah, that'd so, be real handy for like even bigger, more expensive pieces like a terminators or whatever have just like a bunch of different arms yeah that's that that's literally what people do is uh, and also having magnets on those parts means you can swivel the pieces around if you want to make them look a bit different or in war machine you can cripple arms on on the robots so if you if your figure has like a crippled left arm you can just pull the arm off so you remember that it's out of commission Mm. um and the the only thing about the magnets that i'm doing which is probably not that safe but it's working for me is the drill bit didn't them yes (laughs) i'm toughening my intestines don't eat magnets all right uh no the drill bits don't fit into any of my little handheld tools but they fit perfectly into my big ass black and decker power drill which which has like it has a um a trigger that's very like uh how do you put it if you pull very lightly on the trigger the drill moves very slowly yeah and you can increase speed so i'm it's safe i'm able to it works great but the visual is i'm holding something the size of a bean and i'm holding a giant power drill against it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it and it looks like i'm about to drill through my hand uh but it's completely safe it's been going great i've, I've magnetized three of the figures so far uh and like just for to to make it utterly clear one of them I did end up drilling and I, I was off by a little bit and so the drill started to to go back out part of the surface of the figure and I felt the surface um, warping long before it even had a little pinprick of a hole in it because I'm able to drill slowly. Uh, so it just looks bad. I'm going to try to videotape it because it looks hilarious. Me hunched over this tiny piece of plastic power drilling through it while I'm holding it. Well, you could get little pin vices these these drill bits don't fit in my pin vice no and i don't want to buy a new tool if i have one that already works well does it though it does when you shred the hell out of one of your fingers when it slips well that's the thing is it doesn't slip because i'm careful oh this sounds terrible this sounds (laughs) like this this sounds like the start of a bad story (laughs) i'll bring it all to tfcon i'll show people i'll show them how safe i am uh but now i'm getting all i'm getting all magnet high on my on my magnet power and i'm like like i have this this third party springer whose chest flap doesn't lock very well and so now i'm like what if i just install magnets in it what if i drill into the toy and just put magnets in his chest what are you magneto or something i yes i was i was i went digging up all his stupid quotes from the arcade game when i was figuring this stuff out I was like, look at this, look at the power of my magnetism. Welcome to die. I'm the master of evil mutants. Where are you, an insane <laughs> clown posse music video or something? Uh... No. <laughs> uh but yeah, that's that's been my jam right now. I'm just I'm I'm 
I'm messing with my Crix models. I have I have a couple Kador models from from a previous starter set, and I have a few Signar models from the current starter set. And the Signar models, I'm just gonna try to like put up and sell for like forty bucks, I think, because Signar is like the War Machine version of the Ultramarines in that they're severely boring, uh, and their main paint scheme is blue. Yeah, when you said they've that War Machine's been around for like ten years, I felt that was wrong because. If, it seems like they've been around longer, but then so I just looked it up while you were talking, and the first rules came out in two thousand three, which is I thought that it had been around longer than that. Because oh man, I, okay, because I I thought I was out of out of Warhammer by then, but I remember seeing that stuff. Maybe I was still painting Warhammer by two thousand three. I thought it was. I thought I would gotten out of it by 2003 but so that means i'm I, off that that means the game's 14 years old now <laughs> yeah well i mean <coughs> you were closer than i was <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's, uh, it's 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 i'm looking forward to actually messing around with this stuff but what's gonna happen is uh this all got put in my head by uh my twitter user random factor uh who has been getting into some mini painting stuff what we want to do is we're going to try to play some some war machine and maybe some new warhammer 40k around extra lifetime as like a charity stream uh if that's feasible and i think that would be super fun if it, if it's doable and then and you know just play uh the game and not play it in the way where i'm going to also be like oh i'm going to be so good at this i'm more thinking i'll play it in the way where i'm like i'm probably going to be real bad at this but whatever i'll have fun because uh, the one thing I never got good at with tabletop wargaming was tactics. Yeah, I got good at the painting, and I was horrendous at playing. Yeah. That's also why I liked War Machine when I played it in its previous edition, is that it, it was, like, a lot less daunting to play, and it seemed way more focused on, like, you are playing this handful of characters, and if you have units, they're not, like, ten individual characters you have to worry about. They're just a squad, and that's it. Uh, and they're not as important as your main character. Yeah, one time I was actually winning in Warhammer. Like the guy I was playing against was one of the guys I played against regularly. So he he's always had he had always beaten me. And here I am winning and he got like all like quiet and and crappy about it and like <laughs> like not taking this apparent loss well and and at one point i'm like dude like you've won 10 times in a row <laughs> like you yeah. can't take a <laughs> loss and then it came down to one roll and and i blew the roll and he won by like one victory point or something and so he's he ended up still winning but it was like really you got to be crappy about it <laughs> that's that's the only thing i'm worried about is if i get into this enough where i want to start looking for like local like gaming places where they might be playing war machine is like that's what ended up putting me off warhammer 40k uh on the play locally level is i got really tired of i guess i don't know over competitive attitudes especially since i'm playing space orcs and, and part of playing space orcs at the time was i liked how unserious i could take the game uh-huh and, like, Imperial Guard players I would play against would take the game the opposite way, like, utterly dead serious. And I was just like, I, I just don't jive with that mentality with the stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried that that might happen, but 
whatever. Like worst case, I will I will have bought some Crix models and had fun painting them. So I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to actually painting them. That's the only thing I haven't done yet. I've undercoated everything. I built most of it. I've uh, been messing around with the bases and stuff and magnetizing. I haven't actually painted anything fully. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm but looking yeah. up Crix to see what they look like. Or are these like undead? Yeah, Fake undead. They're it's it's necromancers with soul powered robots. Ooh. And so all their robots have like bones in them, and then they have like their small robots look like little yeah. friggin'. <laughs> all like, my robots got bones in them, dude. That's yeah. right. And then, and the little the little Crix robots look like little weird like chicken monsters with pipes sticking out of their spines, which I kind of like. Uh, the little chicken monster robots, the thing I remember about them is that there's a thing in the game where, like, your main character is your your war caster, who's, like, your magician who's operating all this, the magic robots. And, like, if that character gets killed, then you basically lose the game. But that character also has, like, all your magic powers and stuff. And then the thing you can do is that if you're out of range of, like, casting, like, your whatever magic missile at somebody... Uh, if you if you have like one of these little chicken walker things, they all have like ante magic antennas in them, so you can cast spells remotely out of them. So huh. they're kind of they're kind of weak things that just run around and can't do much on their own. But then they might also belch out like a magic missile out of nowhere, uh, which which is kind of fun. And apparently, Crix is all about debuffs, and I like playing debuffs. Debuffs are good times. But uh, that's all I got this week. And uh, Seth, it sounds like that's all you got this week. Correcto. So uh, I think that's a podcast. Uh, barring any other major news drops, uh, the next episode will probably uh, be all about trying to hack through another big whack of listener questions. Because like right when all that toy news hit, we also suddenly were getting like a whole lot of listener questions. So I've got I've got quite a list of it uh, right now to to batter my way through. Uh, also, I want to throw out there, the best way to send me listener questions is via private message, or I guess it's now called conversation on uh, TFW. Um, what a even, terrible thing to change it to. <laughs> whatever the private message is, is the best way, because I've been getting a few of them uh, as just posts on my profile, and the problem with those is if I see them, if I click the alert to see what it is, and it, it takes me to my profile, and it's a post that's there, if I'm like on my phone or something, and I'm not able to immediately put it in the Google Doc, there's a small chance I'll forget about it. So, like, sending me them as private messages is the 100% safest way to do so, uh, especially if it's a private message on TFW. Sending me them anywhere else, it works. It's just that you run the risk of me maybe forgetting to put it into the Google Doc. So, I like centralized locations for things. Also, that's another reason why I'm saying all this. <laughs> anyway, uh, Seth, thanks for joining me. Sure. Uh, hope that, good time. Good. Hope that you've been having a good Sunday so far. Well... I really wanted to do this episode earlier in the day because there are too many TV shows on tonight. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I got to... Uh... And my girlfriend would not have been okay with uh, me like, oh, we can't watch any of these shows today. I have to go record. And also, the way things have been going these days, I probably won't get home until 10 or 11 o'clock at night tomorrow, so we won't be able to watch them Monday night either. I mean, you could just watch them and record the podcast at the same time. Sure, that would work that, out great. That would go wonderfully. So, like, can you be quiet? Like, something's <laughs> happening in Game of Thrones right now, and I'm trying to pay attention. All right, all right. Well, anyway, the Transformers news right now is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, Jon Snow duck. 
<laughs> what? Uh, I hope that uh, I hope you have a good TV night, and uh, I hope that all you listeners have had a good weekend. Because we're all gonna talk to you again later. Later.